Moshe Rabbeinu calls heaven and earth to witness that the Jewish people will enter and uphold the covenant with Hashem. As we see in this parasha, Hazinu, we also saw it previously in parashas Nitzavim, and Rashi comments a little differently on the two references, which immediately gives us insight into the fact that the role of heaven and earth in Nitzavim is different to the role described here in Hazinu, because effectively we're talking about two different kinds of commitment. Nitzavim speaks about Torah mitzvahs in general. Here we're speaking specifically about the bris. The Rebbe will explain what the difference is, including in a halachic grammar, and a beautiful personal spiritual lesson. Note, first of all, that Rashi only quotes in his headline the words Hazinu HaShomayim. He doesn't say V'sishma HaOret. And that will be relevant to our conversation a little bit later. So Rashi comments, Pirish Rashi, Shani Masner Bohem He says, listen up, Shomayim, because I'm warning the Jewish people. And you will be the witnesses. Because this is what I'm telling them. I'm telling them that you, the heavens, will be the witness to this following covenant, and likewise, the earth should listen as well. But he doesn't include in the headline. Then he says, Why did he have to call Because the truth is, if you're looking for witnesses, surely people are better than heaven and earth. So Moshe says, Because I'm human and I'm not here forever. What happens if in the future the Jews turn around and say, we never committed to this covenant? Who would come and disprove that claim? That's why Moshe Dafka used the heaven and earth, because they are witnesses that will be there forever. First comment that Rashi brings. Then Rashi brings a second explanation. Maybe Rashi He adds not an alternate but an additional explanation. If the Jews merit, in other words, we do what Hashem wants, then those same witnesses will produce reward for us. So we'll get all the wealth and bounty of the earth, and we'll get the dew that comes from the heaven. But if if we don't behave as we should and we reject this covenant, then then as halacha requires, the witnesses are the first to punish the perpetrators, and therefore there'll be a withholding of rain, etc. So Rashi is telling us two things: shemayim varets are eternal witnesses, and they will impact our lives if we do or don't follow Hashem's covenant. So why does Rashi have to comment about this? Simply, what's forced Rashi to comment is, If you think about it, what does it say in the parish? It says that the heavens will listen. Surely, Moshe is talking to the Jews. It should be saying the Jews should listen, not the heavens should listen or the earth should listen. Isn't it that Moshe's message is, this is how you, the Jewish people, should behave, and these will be the consequences of your choices? So why is he addressing heaven and earth? They're not the subject of this conversation. So therefore, Rashi has to say, it's because Moshe wanted to call the attention of Shemayim Ba'aretz to be the witnesses to support the process now with the Jewish people to warn them. And then he explains why Shemayim Ba'aretz are the best positioned to have this role. So that's great, we get it. Rashi is tackling the issue of why, if Moshe is addressing the people, is he suddenly speaking to heaven and earth? We get it. But there's still a question. 
Because the ill this idea of heaven and earth standing testimony to the Jewish people is not presented here in Hazinu for the first time. It already occurred in the end of Pashas Nitzavim. What does it say there? That he says, I bring as testimony to you today heaven and earth. Rashi also commented there, and he also gave two commentaries, as he does here. First he said, because heaven and earth are eternal, like he says over here. And then, therefore, he says, if in the future bad things happen to the Jewish people, Shemaim Va'aretz will be able to testify that I had warned you in advance, you need to behave in a particular way, otherwise these might be the consequences. Dovar Acher, then he gives a second explanation. The first explanation is pretty similar to what we've got here. Then he brings a second. Why does he bring Shemaim Va'aretz as the witnesses? Because Hashem says, learn from Shemaim Va'aretz. Look at the sky that Hashem created for you, for you, to service you. Did they ever change their behavior? Did the sun ever not rise? Look, they don't get rewarded for their choices, and they are absolutely dedicated. You, who there will be consequences for your choices, if you are Zoycha, you get reward, and if not, the opposite, you definitely have to listen. So in other words, the second explanation that Rashi brings over there is not that the heaven and earth will be the ones to meet out the punishment, but rather they'll be the ones who are our role models in our lesson of how to be dedicated to Hashem. So therefore, that raises three questions for us. Why then is Rashi asking the question again here in Hazinu? Why bring heaven and earth as testimony? We already know why. Rashi explained it in Nitzavim, because they're eternal and they're a good example of how we should behave. Why is Rashi asking again? Bayes, question two. Okay, let's assume that we'll be able to come up with a reason why Rashi has to explain a second time in our parasha why we need Shemaim Baritz to be the witnesses. Still, he could have said it very simply. They're here forever and they're a role model to us. Or even if you want to say that the ones are going to meet out the punishment. So if Rashi is really repeating at least the first explanation, he's repeating something he's already said, why all the detail? And if you are going to give all the detail, why didn't he give all the detail rather the first time that we encountered heaven and earth as witnesses in Parashat Nitzavim? That he, he kind of gives a very short explanation. They're here forever and they'll be the witnesses to tell you this was coming your way. It doesn't seem right. Rashi usually explains something thoroughly. The first opportunity. Why did he wait? And thirdly, when we examine the second explanation that Rashi gives over here, which is that heaven and earth will be the ones to meet out the punishment. So there also we have to understand. We get it. Why in Parashas Nitzavim, when Rashi gave a second explanation, what did he say? He said, look, look at Shemaim Baritz and learn from them. They never change from what they are required to do. And he doesn't say the same thing over here in our parish. He gives a different explanation, second explanation. 
So what, what's he saying over here? It's that Moshe is telling the Jewish people, look, I have appointed Shemayim Va'aretz to be the witnesses to what's going to happen. But he didn't necessarily tell Shemayim Va'aretz. In he said, Hi, I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to call on the heaven and earth to be the witnesses. Whereas here he's saying, Hazina, right, that you should listen. So then it makes sense that the idea of telling the Jewish people in Parshas Nitzavim to look at the heaven and earth as models of how you should listen to Hashem makes sense because at that point the conversation is just with the Yidden. We haven't yet, so to speak, um, deputized the heaven and earth. That over there, in some of them, it makes sense that the Jews have to learn from heaven and earth. Mashen came by Parsha Sain, which would not apply in Parsha Sazinu, because here Moshe is speaking to the Shemaim Varetz. That's fine. That makes sense. Avol. But the second explanation Rashi offers in our parasha, which is that if we merit, then we'll get all the reward from Shemaim Varetz, and if not, they'll withhold our goodness. Surely that also made sense in Parshas Nitzavim to discuss. Surely in the first place, when Moshe in Nitzavim addressed the Jews and said Shemayim Va'aretz will be the witnesses, surely that would have been an appropriate place to say witnesses and therefore they will carry out the consequences where necessary. Doesn't it make sense at that point Moshe would have said to the Yidden, you Yidden have to know, if you listen, Shemaim Baritz will provide what they should. If you don't, they'll withhold. So why didn't Rashi mention it then? Why did Rashi not say anything about that in Parshas Nitzavim where he first discussed the role of heaven and earth as the witnesses and he only brings it up now in Hazinu? Why Dafka, when Moshe is, so to speak, discussing with Shemaim Va'aretz what their role is, now he says that they'd either give or withhold. So the, the, there seems to be something about Nitzavim and Hazinu that Rashi's seeing that we don't see because he's addressed issues in Nitzavim that perhaps he could have addressed over here in Hazinu. And more importantly, he's reserved issues for Hazinu that we wonder why he didn't mention in Nitzavim. In addition to that, let's look at the Rashi commentary here in Hazinu because there are a few things that also don't really seem to be so smooth. Why does Rashi use such a, a long expression? I told them, heaven and earth, that they should be witnesses. Why does Shemaim Va'aretz need to be told here in Hazinu, where Moshe addresses them, Shemaim Va'aretz, you need to know that I've told the Jews that you're going to be the Edom. Why is that information relevant here? And you can't tell me it's because, well, maybe they won't actually take on the role as witnesses until they know that the people they are brought to testify against are on board, because that's not how testimony works. If you 
uh, if you assign people to become Adem, it's regardless of whether or not the subject of their testimony agrees. But you'll argue, yes, of course. But if you want to warn somebody halachically and you want them to be liable for their actions, they have to be conscious of the fact that A, you have warned them, B, that you have warned them in front of witnesses. So maybe that's the reason why here at the time of Azin Hashem Vahoretz, the Adim need to know that the Jews were given that information. But still, that detail, the fact that the subject of the warning has to be conscious of the fact that there are witnesses, is relevant to the subject. In other words, it's relevant to the Jews. The Jews had to know that there are witnesses. The witnesses don't have to have that information that the people have been warned. Because as we know, Moshe already did warn the Yidden in Parshas Nitzavim. It's still not information that is relevant to the Edim. So the question is, why is Rashi emphasizing that the Edim are being told at this point that the Jews know that there will be Edim and that they'll be the, the Edim? Also, and this is a pivot, this detail that we're about to, to, to highlight is actually going to be a pivot of the whole understanding of what Rashi's focused on here. The Shon Rashi says, Rashi in this parsha, If the Jews say, who says we committed to this covenant? Shemayim Baruch will come along and say, nonsense. You obviously committed, we know we were there. Why does he say the bris? Why doesn't he say like the Sifri or others would say, if the Jews say we did not accept the Torah, Shemayim Baritz will say that's nonsense. Why does Rashi home in on the bris instead of just saying Shemayim Baritz will be witnesses to the generalized commitment of the Jews to keep Torah mitzvahs? And that becomes a pivot to this whole concept. As is often the case, in order to answer a question, we first have to raise another question. In this case, a question that goes right to the core of this whole conversation. If you understand what Rashi implies, it is that what Rashi is implying is that the testimony mentioned in Nitzavim, where Moshe tells the Yidden, Shemaim Ba'aretz will be the witnesses to your commitment to Judaism, and the testimony presented in our parasha, it's obviously the same message, right? In one case, the message is being told to the Jews, and in the other case, the message is being told to Shemayim Baritz. But it's the same message that Shemayim Baritz will be the witnesses to the commitment of Jews to Torah Mitzvahs. So what's the difference then between them? And as Rashi points out, the only real distinction that appears between Nitzavim and Hazinu is who Moshe was talking to. In Nitzavim, he told this information to the Jews. In Hazinu, he tells the same information to Shemayim Baritz. Rashi himself says, that even in this context, Moshe tells Shemayim Baritz that I already told the Yidin you'd be the Edim. There you have it. It's clear. It's obviously the same information that is, that is, that is sharing, right? So, so that's what it would appear to be, right? It would appear to be that Rashi is telling us that Nitzavim and Hazinu is the same content delivered to two different addresses in Nitzavim to the Yidin, in Hazinu to Shemayim Baritz.
Although that is what's implied in Rashi, it actually doesn't appear to be that way. But when you really think about it, what was Moshe Rabbeinu talking about in Nitzavim? Pretty much Torah mitzvahs. Whereas Hazinu is saying, listen to what's about to follow, which is specifically the Shiras Hazinu. In other words, it's not the same information delivered to the Jews in Nitzavim and to Shemaim Varetz in Hazinu. Vim Kain. So why does Rashi say they are the same thing? That he tells Shemaim Varetz, I already told the Yidden that you would be their witnesses. That Rashi seems to imply that it's just a different audience. It doesn't sound that way. It sounds like it's actually a different message. Nitzavim is talking about Torah and Mitzvahs. And Hazinu is talking specifically about the Shira. So we need to clarify that because that's a big question. And so therefore, in order to understand this, we need to drill down into the concept of what an aid means. Of course, when you think of the word aid, you obviously think of a human witness, somebody who stands and sees an event and testifies to the fact that it happened. But the truth is, aidus can also be inanimate. And as we're about to discover, there are two different kinds of aidus. In many places in Torah, the word edos is used just simply as a sign, a testament, rather than testimony. Similarly, a sign that reminds us about a particular thing. The idea that an edos could be a reminder about something could happen in one of two ways. Aleph, one example. One way that Eidos could work is that we arbitrarily choose something that should be a symbol for something. Choosing the color red to mean stop. There's nothing intrinsic to the color red that when you see it on a traffic light means stop. We've chosen it as Eidos, as a simon, that when you see red, you should interpret it to mean stop. We see an example of that all the way back in Parshas Vayera, where there's the treaty between Avram Avinu and Avimelech. So Avimelech says, what are these seven uh, lambs that, that you're bringing? So Avram Avinu says, they will be testament to the fact that this well I dug and it belongs to me. Your servants wanted to take it. It's actually mine. So to bring a testament to that, we're going to make this treaty using these sheep. Now, of course, it goes without saying that there is no intrinsic connection between seven lambs and digging and owning a well. So it's just that they chose arbitrarily that this would now become the sign of their treaty, of their peace agreement. It has nothing directly to do with the subject, but they both agree it will be their reminder. So if the goal of making a treaty between two people, and then bringing testimony. that as, as testament, you're bringing something which is not related directly to the treaty, then we don't care if it doesn't last in the long run. 
As long as the intention between the two parties remains intact, if the item is no longer there, if you take those lambs and you slaughter them and you eat them for lunch, it's irrelevant now because they were just used as the hinge to get the agreement together. But the agreement does not rely on the lambs. It goes without saying, of course, that these seven lambs did not live the full duration of the time of the peace treaty between Avram Avinu and Avimelech. Not only the duration of the peace treaty, which extended into other generations, but even the lifespan of Avram Avinu and Avimelech, the sheep were long gone. Whereas what they represent, the covenant agreement between Avram Avinu and Avimelech, extended for generations. So that's the first kind of edus that you get, where the edus is arbitrarily assigned a meaning, and the meaning outlives the item that represents it. Then you get another kind, base. The other, probably more common kind of edus is where the item or the people have a connection and a relationship with what they're supposed to testify to. Dugma, obvious example that we have in Pashas, where is it? The pile of stones that Yaakov set up as a monument to make an agreement between him and Lavan, where he said, says, This pile of stones, this will be the sign that I don't cross into your territory, you don't cross into my territory, and we don't cause any aggression to each other. Now, it's very clear that the gal, the pile of, soot, of stones, becomes intrinsically linked to the agreement because it becomes the marker of where you may or may not go. If you don't have the sign there, the entire agreement falls down because now we're, 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 we're not supposed to trespass. So, of course, we all agree that they arbitrarily chose stones to become the symbol of this agreement between them. But there is a very clear, once that arbitrary choice was made, there is now a link between these stones and this agreement. Because this pile of stones now becomes the marker where you may or may not go, where the border lies. So those are the two kinds of testimony that you can get. Testimony that is arbitrary and the agreement can outlive the item of testament. And testament which is dependent on, or the agreement is, is dependent on the testament. So that will help us to understand what's going on over here with the role of Shemayim Boretz. When it says in Pashas Nitzavim that Moshe says, I'm going to call Shemaim Barit as the witnesses to you that you've committed to Torah Mitzvahs. And they were talking about non-human witnesses. Nobody can ask a question, why them? That's what they agreed. They agreed that they're going to arbitrarily assign a value to heaven and earth. They'll be the witnesses to the fact that you and I, Hashem and the Jewish people, have entered a, a, a contract. So if Shammai and Baritz have nothing at all to do with the observance of Torah Mitzvahs, that's okay, because we, uh, both parties, have agreed that that will be our reminder of our commitment to each other. 
So therefore, therefore Rashi doesn't have to say why Shamaim Varet. Could be anything. We chose Shamaim Varet. So what are they testifying to? That's what Rashi has to explain. Rashi has to explain that. What that means is future generations where things happen to the Jewish people, then they'll remember Shemaim Va'aretz were the witnesses. And that's why uh, these things have come our way because of choices that we've made. Why Shemaim Va'aretz? So you'll still ask the question, so why do I need Shemaim Baritz that live forever? Why can't I just use something which is arbitrary, like uh, Avraham Avinu used the sheep? Why, what, what's wrong with that? So a logical reason. Because the agreement between Avraham and Avimelech applied to a particular space, over a relatively short period of time, a, fa- a series of families, basically. So therefore, Yediyas v'zikorin ha'semini m'shachim ha'chreizeh, they'd pass the tradition down, and it would remain in the family, and everybody would know what they should do. But over here, we're talking about a, an agreement that applies to all Jews at all times across the span of history, so therefore, it's not going to work practically if you use testament that is going to disappear after a period of time. We need something that's always going to be there because this particular agreement applies right across the span of history. So that would help us to understand why in Nitzavim, Rashi only needs to tell us what Shemayim Ba'aretz testifies to without explaining to us why they are chosen as the witnesses. Now, Rashi gave two explanations over there, so that implies that there's still something that isn't 100% clear in this explanation. It's not a clear enough explanation because when is it logical to say that something could be the testament to something else that it has no intrinsic connection to? So that would only be logical if you have something which from the beginning was created for this particular purpose. So you assemble these seven, these seven lambs, the fact that you've now brought them together, ah, okay, we see that that was done with the intention of making this connection between you. But Shemayim Varetz had been around already for thousands of years before the Jews made this covenant with Hashem. It doesn't seem so logical to say their purpose is to be testimony. Because you can't tell me Shemayim Varetz were only created for the sole purpose of testifying to the relationship and commitment between Hashem and the Jewish people. And the fact of the matter is they, they don't change in any way, like the sheep which are now lined up in this group of sheep or the stones that are put into a pile. Shemayim Boritz is Shemayim Boritz. So that's why Rashi wasn't absolutely satisfied only with that explanation. Which is why over there in Yitzhak, he gave a second explanation to that's why Rashi gave a second explanation. But this is an alternative explanation, right? In addition to the concept, which is that Shemayim Baritz will become the symbol of the commitment between Hashem and the Jewish people. In addition to that, he said there's something to learn from Shemayim Baritz. 
הסתכלו בשמיים שבראש אלישע משעשרים, שם השינס מדוסם וכולי, ומה אלו שנעשה וכולי, that there's a lesson, look at שמיים בארץ, they're there to serve you, they never stop doing what they were supposed to do, so you too should never stop doing what Hashem expects of you. היינו שעדוס השמיים בארץ היא באופן שמצד עניינם הרי הם אויס וסימן המזכיר ומוער על קים הטר והמצווה because that would answer the question would say basically the way that Hashem has designed שמיים בארץ that they should consistently fulfill their roles in creation is already from the beginning designed with us in mind as a lesson for us and now it's no longer a problem that Shemayim Varetz have always been around. Because the fact that they've always been around is exactly why they're a testimony. The consistency of their behavior is why they're the ideal reminder and testament to how we're supposed to behave. So why didn't Rashi only use that second explanation? The reason is because there's a bigger issue with the second explanation. He says, Today I'm making them witnesses for you. Now if the goal of this Pasuk is to tell us that at any given point in history you can look at Shemayim Baritz and it will remind you to be committed to Hashem, well, then if your whole argument is the consistent behavior of Shemayim Ba'aretz, then it's certainly not something which is Hayoim, specifically on the day of the, of the agreement or the covenant between Hashem and the Jewish people, Moshe, it's actually something that applies at all times. So that's why Rashi needed two explanations. And he wasn't absolutely comfortable with either one of them. The first explanation, even though the sign of Shemayim Baritz is not relevant today, because it's only right if down the line you don't do what you're supposed to, they'll be the testament. But the fact that they were assigned to be witnesses, that fits with the word Hayoim because that occurred on that particular day. On the day that Moshe warned the Jewish people and appointed Shemayim Baritz as the witnesses. So what did we say? We said the two kinds of edus that you could get. You can get an edus where the item or the thing is completely arbitrary and we've just assigned it a value because of what we're trying to do versus edus that has an intrinsic connection to the particular agreement that's being made. What both of them hold, have in common is in both scenarios, the edus does not have to be human and does not have to be conscious of the agreement that is made. Okay, now is where it gets interesting. Because when you look at Hazinu, it does seem to indicate that there has to be some awareness. When you look at the Pasuk where Moshe addresses Shemayim Baritz and says, Listen, He's telling the Shemayim Baritz to pay attention. That tells us now that he's not addressing Shemayim Baritz in the same way as he did in Nitzavim. In Nitzavim, he spoke to the Jews and said, That will be your reminder. Every time you look at Shemayim Varetz, it should remind you to do Torah Mitzvahs. Shemayim Varetz could be completely oblivious to that. That's fine. As long as you know, just like the pile of stones doesn't know about Lavan and Yaakov, but Lavan and Yaakov know about it. The seven sheep don't know about Avimelech and Avram Avinu, but Avimelech and Avram Avinu know about it. Here, Moshe is talking to the Edom. 
If it was just because he wanted them to be the reminder to us, we wouldn't need Shemaim Baruch to listen and to be conscious of the conversation. That emphasizes, like it or not, that Shemaim Baruch in Ha'azinu are being addressed as real witnesses. Witnesses to an event or a verbal commitment, etc. That solves why Rashi adds the extra words. You, Shamayim Boritz, you will be Edim. Not just a symbol for us, the conscious, sentient minds. You will actually play the role of Edim. That's a huge shift from Nitzavim. Now you can ask the question. In Nitzavim, the question, why heaven and earth is irrelevant? Why choose whatever you want as the sign? But now that he's saying that Moshe addresses Shemayim Baritz and says, you need to actually be real witnesses, why taka? So Piresh came Shazoy Eidos Gimura. Now Rashi has a really good question. If in fact there are going to be real witnesses, why are the real witnesses not human, which is usually what the Torah expects? Why is it Shemaim Baritz? In other words, Rashi's question over here is not a practical question. How could Shemaim Baritz practically be witnesses? They don't talk. They don't listen. Rashi doesn't, doesn't have an issue with that. He's already told us before that they do. Rashi already explained about the different herbs and grasses that grew during the course of the creation. Rashi already then told us that despite the fact that Hashem did not give a specific instruction to the different herbs and grasses that they should reproduce their species, they worked it out from what was told to the trees. In other words, they had a level of awareness. Which means Rashi is not bothered by how could Shemaim Ba'aret know or listen. Already dealt with. It's built into nature that there's a level of awareness. So therefore, so therefore, Rashi's question over here is not how could Shemayim Ba'aretz be witnesses, rather his question is why them? Why not people? To which Rashi answers. He answers by saying, I'm, I'm human and humans have a limited lifespan. Because the concern is that at some later point, the Jews will turn around and say, we never committed to this. We didn't sign on that dotted line. So practically we need Aiden that will be around forever who could then contradict that claim. Human Aiden are not going to be around indefinitely. Ah, so now you'll ask a question. And it doesn't seem to make sense. If in fact, Shemayim Ba'aretz play the role of real witnesses. Which is not just that they should be conscious of the event. Real witnesses can be called to the courts and they can present 
Number one, testimony. And number two, execute if necessary. So you want to tell me that Shemayim Varets have conscience, consciousness and therefore they could be aware of what's happening? Okay, I'll accept that. And you want to tell me they should be the Aiden because they're always going to be here and we really need long-term Aiden. Great. But how are they going to play the role of Aiden to actually testify? That's why Rashi brings the second explanation, not as an alternative, but as another another perspective within his explanation. It's not a second alternative explanation. It's another layer to his explanation. Part of the explanation is because we need Edim who are going to act like real Edim in the long term. Therefore, Shemaim Baritz are appropriate because if there's need to carry out anything, positive or negative consequence, they can do so. So That only reinforces for us that Shemaim Baritz play the role of Real, authentic witnesses. Not just to hear what the Jews were told and then check if they fulfill it or not. But rather that they should actually play the role that witnesses are due to play, which is if this is not upheld, they will then act. So we're seeing a huge difference between Nitzavim, where Moshe talks to the Yidden and frames Shemaim Va'aretz just simply as the reminder to you, the consistent reminder of how to behave, versus Hazinu, where Moshe speaks directly to the Shemaim Va'aretz and says, you will be real witnesses with power in this contract. Now that we've drawn that distinction, it will help us to understand all the other details about Rashi. Seeing as our Pasuk over here, Hazinu, added a whole new dimension to the story. That not only are Shemaim Varetz a reminder to the Jews, but they are active witnesses to the story. Why do we do things in front of witnesses? Not only so that later we may be able to meet out the consequences, but it's in order that the person who is being warned will realize how serious this is. This is in front of witnesses. This is going to carry weight. Which will assist the person who has been warned to prevent them from misbehaving. So therefore, at this point, when Moshe tells the Shemaim Baritz, you be the witnesses to this contract, So then straight away you have a question, one second, if the purpose of witnesses is to encourage the people to behave the way that they should, they surely then need to be aware of this. So when do the Jews become aware of it? Because in Nitzavim, as Rashi pointed out, at that point, he only said that Shemaim Baritz will be the testament that you look at and it reminds you. At which point do the Jews get to know that Shemaim Baritz will actually be Edim? That's why Rashi added what appeared to be additional words. I told them that you will be Edim. 
At that point, Moshe is not referring back to what he had told them already in Pashas Nitzavim. Rather, Rashi is here referring to what was said at the end of Pashas Vayelech, where Moshe turns to the Jewish people and says, Listen, I'm calling Shemaim Varetz as witness to you. At that point, that's where Moshe told the Yidden that Shemaim Varetz will play the role of absolute witnesses. And that resolves our question. Okay, so the real weight of appointing witnesses is the impact that it has on the, the individual, the subject. Here it works. The Jews are now aware of it. Although that's going to strengthen an earlier question that we had because the Omur what did we ask earlier on? We said, hang on a second. In Nitzavim, it's referring to the whole of Torah. And Hazinu is only referring to what was about to be said, Shiraz Hazinu. Now we're back to square one. You're calling the heaven and earth to be witness, and the Jews know it, but witness to what? Only Shiraz Hazinu. What about the rest of the Torah? It sounds like the role that Shemaim Baritz plays with regards to the rest of the conversation Moshe has with the Jewish people, which is effectively the call to observe Torah mitzvahs. There, they're just the reminder, the arbitrary red light, as opposed to real witnesses. So to explain that, we have to understand that was the general call from Moshe to the Jews, choose the right path, choose the path of life. In other words, Pashas Nitzavim is a rather generic reference to commitment to Torah generally, and of course, what will happen if one does or doesn't. Whereas, if you're talking about commitment to Torah, you don't need witnesses. Why not? What's the purpose of witnesses? To make sure that we don't mess up, right? It's unthinkable that in the course of history, the Jewish nation as a whole would reject Torah mitzvahs as a whole. That's never going to happen. It's very publicized. It's something that was transmitted through the generations. We're in. We're committed. We don't need that extra weight of there are witnesses watching to ensure that we do it. We'll do it. So in order to get Jews to stay committed to Torah Mitzvahs, we just need that reminder. We just need that pile of stones. We just need that red light. We just need the Shamayim Va'aretz there as a reminder of the fact that we should do Torah Mitzvahs. And we will. Whereas Hazinu is talking about something else. Hazinu is not talking about generic commitment to Torah Mitzvahs. Hazinu is about a covenant between us and Hashem. This bris has many, many aspects and details to it. That's why it is possible that people say, listen, we committed to Torah and Mitzvahs. We didn't commit to all of that, to all of those details. That's a real concern. 
Second of all, to get us to remain committed, just a reminder, even if the reminder has an intrinsic link to the behavior, that's still not good enough. Because a reminder does just that. It reminds you of something in its general form. But it doesn't help you remember every single detail. So that red light doesn't remind you of all of the laws of the road. It reminds you red light means stop. The pile of stones reminds you don't cross this border. Doesn't mean that the subsequent generations are going to remember all of the detail of how things went with with Laban and Yaakov. When Hashem wants to make a bris, a highly detailed covenant between us and Him, we need real witnesses who will hear all of the details and they'll be able to be real edim to those details, and they'll actually be able to enforce. So that's what Rashi wants us to know. Ha'azinu is a complete upgrade of the role of Shemaim Ba'aretz. Why? Because it's a whole new element of our relationship that Hashem introduces at this point. Now this is going to have a very interesting perspective uh, in Halacha that this relates to. Um, in fact, two in, in, concepts in Halacha. Something fascinating in Halacha that emerges. If Rashi says that both heaven and earth are the witnesses to our behavior, why then did he not include in his headline not only the words that the heavens will be witnessed, why didn't he also include which is part of the Pasuk that the earth would also be witnessed? To understand that we need to consult another question. Actually, if you think about it halachically, Shamaim and Oretz, two parties who are the witnesses. Now in halacha you need two witnesses in order to establish something. The only way that can happen is if the two work collaboratively together, in the same way. So therefore, it actually sounds like Moshe separates the roles. The kind of listening Shemaim has to do is called Azino. The kind of listening that the earth has to do is called Vesishma. So that doesn't sound like they're both processing the testimony in the same way. How could they be a kosher set of witnesses? If you want to go into the more sophisticated areas of Torah, there is a way you could work around that the primary thing about witnesses is we cross-examine them, and if we find that they're effectively testifying to the same thing, then it is sufficient. So the Sifri says, look, the truth is, if Moshe had only said Hazin HaShemayim, and he had only said Vesishma Haaretz, each one of them could say, I wasn't part of the Edas, because I didn't do the Hazinu, I didn't do the Vesishma. Therefore, Bo Yeshayol, V'somach L'dover, Shimo Shemayim V'Hazini Eretz, Litin Hazon O'Shmila Shemayim V'Hazon O'Shmila Haaretz. So that's why Moshe, uh, Yeshayol, and Abi came along, and he switched the language. The Hazinu goes to earth, and the, 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 the Shemir goes to heaven. So now we have complete edus of both of them together. That's great according to the more developed parts of Torah, so to speak, the more the Drush parts of Torah. Rashi is not going to say this. 
for a very obvious reason. Because this Sifri implies that for many, many generations, there was not real testimony to the behavior of the Jewish people until Yeshayo and Abi came, and he's the one who clarified it for us. And of course, Rashi wants to go with the Pshat, and the Pshat is that Shemaim Baritz both became absolute witnesses immediately. Because of that, that's why Rashi did not include Vasishmaharitz in the heading. He only said Azina Shamaim. Why? Because of he says, even though he only says Shamaim, he says in the plural, you, plural, will be the witnesses. In other words, Rashi wants us to know, and this is a magnificent halachic insight, that Shamaim alone is already two witnesses. Because Rashi has already shown us before that there's more than one heaven. So heavens, shamayim, is a plural word. It's a plural set of witnesses. And therefore Rashi includes in his explanation, and likewise, that the earth will listen. Why? Because earth itself is also not a single witness, but a group of witnesses. And that's also something we know already. Because you go back right to the time of, for example, the Dur we know that there were all kinds of people from all kinds of lands. The land is not an homogenous concept. And therefore, Rashi has resolved our concern about how do we have an, a wholesome testimony of two witnesses. Easy, because Shomayim is already more than one witness, and Oretz is already more than one witness on their own, even if they're processing differently. Another issue in Halacha. He has another question. How could it be that Moshe says, listen up heaven and earth, and that turns them into Edom? Where do we see that the Edom agree? You cannot make somebody an aid against their will. So where do we see the Shomayim Ba'aretz are in agreement with us? Yes, we'll, we're on board and we'll be the not only the Edom, but Yad Ha'edom Ba'arishona, that if anything happens, we're going to meet out whatever devastation has to happen. So Rashi alludes to that when he says that Moshe said to Shemayim Boritz, I told the Jews you'll be their Edom. Just to help understand this, look, in Nitzavim, it doesn't say that he made a special assembly of the Jewish people in order to tell them that Shemayim Boritz would be the witnesses. Whereas the end of Pashas Vayelech, which we already earlier said, that's what Rashi is referring to when he says, that's when I already told them that you'd be the Edom. That's when Moshe told the Jewish people, I'm calling Shemaim Varetz to be the real witnesses. There, Dafka says that he gathered everybody from top to bottom. But might be Nayu, so you have to wonder why in Nitzavim is there not an emphasis on the fact that he gathers the entire community, and in Vayerach there is. And it's a Zemai time of Gufa, it's exactly for this reason. Because Moshe's intention at the end of Pashas Vayelech going into Hazino is to gather the Jewish people and to inform them that Shemaim Varetz will be real Adem, who could actually 
uh, exercise consequences if necessary. So effectively, not only did he gather the people arbitrarily, but he, he gathered the Sanhedrin. And the Beistin, certainly the Sanhedrin, has the power to enforce that somebody should be a witness. And that kind of forced the hand of Shemayim Baruch that now you have to be witnesses as appointed by the Sanhedrin. The Shemayim Baruch are not only going to be witnesses to hear Moshe's warnings to the Jewish people, but as Rashi already pointed out, the Shemayim Baruch have to be available that if later the Jews reject the fact that they ever made this commitment, Shemayim Baruch can call them to task. Not only that, as Rashi says, not only will they testify, but they'll mete out consequences if need be. All of that had to be managed by a Beisdin, listening to their testimony, seeing them mete out the consequences. That's why Rashi Dafka said, I told the Jews that you'd be the Edom, not just that I informed them that you, Shemayim Baruch, would be the Edom, but I informed them to assemble the Sanhedrin to empower you to have the full power of Edom. And then there's a beautiful insight on a mystical level too. Let's understand from a spiritual perspective how come in Nitzavim, where it's generally talking about commitment to Torah mitzvahs, we don't need real witnesses. But in Hazinu, when we're talking about the bris, now we do need real witnesses. Why? As we already alluded to before, when it comes to commitment to Torah mitzvahs, it is unthinkable that a Jewish person would outright reject Torah mitzvahs. It's not going to happen, certainly not intentionally. So why would a Jew reject Torah mitzvahs? It's a foolishness, it's a blurring of reality that happens because of the Yitzhahara, and the person thinks, I can do this and still be Jewish. All we need is a reminder to snap the person out of their reverie and say, hey, remember, and they'll remember, and they'll behave. And there's two ways that could happen. One option is when bad things happen, that will be the reminder. In other words, the reminder says, this is why these things are happening to you, because remember, you ignore Torah mitzvahs. And that would be the reminder, oops, I obviously disconnected from Hashem, I better fix things up. Or alternatively, what you'll have is Shemaim Varetz encouraging, either by giving brocha or withholding brocha, encouraging us to do Torah mitzvahs. But our Pasha is talking about a bris, a covenant. That's a whole different story. You don't make a covenant just to say, I'll keep what is natural for me to keep, Torah and mitzvahs. A bris is to say, extra commitment to observe everything in the best way possible. 
For that, you need more than just a reminder. You need the full force of Edom. Why the full force of Edom? The reason is, the way to get us to commit to this breast and to be extra committed to Torah mitzvahs to get that absolute commitment to Judaism means we have to ignite or awaken the power that we each have for absolute mysterious nefesh and aid him do that. Why aid him? The Altarebbe explains at great length that if you think about it, it's quite logical testimony is only relevant if we don't have the facts in front of us. So that's why I need witnesses to tell me what I can't see. If something is in front of my eyes, I don't need witnesses. In fact, it's, it's irrelevant to have witnesses. I can see it with my own eyes. I don't need witnesses to the fact that it's daytime. Even as the Rambam explains, for example, with an aguna, if something will come to light in time, I don't need the normal kind of edus that I normally would need. You can even believe an individual, non-Jewish person, a woman, etc. The real meaning of edus, of testimony, is something which is completely hidden from view, and I need the edim to bring it to light. Because a bris is all about eliciting Mesiris Nefesh. Mesiris Nefesh is because we have the level of Yechidosh of Nefesh, a dimension of ourselves that is absolutely powerful, but generally completely hidden. So what should wake it up? Nidreshes Eidus Gemura. For that we need Eidus. And that's why here in Hazinu, Moshe doesn't just say we'll bring the Shamayim Baretz as symbols of what you should do as Jewish people, but rather as Edim who kind of push you to be able to express what your Neshama really wants to express.